Pastor Ray Bentley explains what it means to live for the Lord. To live for Jesus means to live a life of self-denial, gloriously, happily, deliriously delighted so. This kind of denial of self is more than just, oh, I'm bearing my cross because I had a hard day or I've had some trials or people were mean to me. It, it's much deeper than that. It is deciding to be focused narrowly upon Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. Spread the news of His people coming down before the King. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming, join the song. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Some believers live their lives as practical atheists. Oh, they believe in Jesus, they've said the sinner's prayer, go to church on Sundays, but they live the same way, speak the same words as the rest of the world, those who don't know Christ. Today, as we dig into God's Word, we'll take a step toward being more authentic. All right, Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 18. This is called the confession, Peter's confession, representing the whole group there, Peter's confession of Jesus as the Christ or as the Messiah. So we read in verse 18, and it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them saying, who do the crowds say that I am? And so they answered and they said, well, some say John the Baptist. And then maybe another disciple said, but some say that you're Elijah. And others say that you are one of the old prophets who has risen again. And then Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered and said, the Messiah of God the Christ of God. Verse 21, and he strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to the whole world. Is that what it says? No. He strictly warned them. Now, that phrase is used in other places that translated in English, he rebuked them. So I want you to think of Jesus looking those guys in the eye and sternly saying, don't tell a word of this. Don't tell a soul, at least not now. Now why? Why at this time, why at this moment did Jesus say so strictly and so sternly warning them, commanding them, tell this to no one, saying, and here's, here he goes on to say, verse 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Now the hour would surely come when it was time to blast that news everywhere, not only from Jerusalem, but to the ends of the earth. But temporarily, for this particular moment, Jesus said sternly, don't tell anyone right now, why? Because to have announced at this time and to go 
blaring and declaring everywhere, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Messiah, to these multitudes of people who already believe he's a prophet, who already have seen his priestly character, who have already been healed, no doubt untold multitudes have been personally healed, delivered from demons, forgiven of sins. Uh, there's a movement of people among them. Do you know what would have happened if they had gone around at that moment? It was possible at that moment for Jesus to start a movement of people demanding Jesus is the Messiah. And they would have gathered and they would have marched with him to Jerusalem and demanded and waited for the manifestation of his power and the coming of his glory and of his kingdom. But it would have been a political movement with their own individual unique ideas of what that kingdom would look like. In other words, these were not yet regenerate believers among the masses. They were believers in the supernatural, they were believers in the prophets, they, they were believers in, in a distant sense. But they were not those who had truly been regenerate, which means they, they had not had that faith seed within their hearts blossom to understand. Because had they really known the prophets, had they really believed what the prophets had said, they would know what Jesus has just said in verse 22. If you do know who the Messiah is, then now you're ready, and in this one verse, I want to look at verse 22. In this one simple little verse, Jesus takes the entire Old Testament prophecies and puts all of them together in one verse. You know, if you've read from Genesis to Malachi, the verses of the Messiah are scattered like um, diamonds and jewels and rubies and sapphires, but they're sprinkled throughout the scriptures. There were two pictures of the Messiah that were, quite frankly, confusing. It would have been virtually impossible to figure out how all the pieces came together unless, until actually the Messiah came. There was one picture that spoke of the Messiah as the son of David, and in fact, even to this day, many Jewish people believe in two Messiahs. I don't know if you knew that or not. They don't even believe in one Messiah, they believe in two. Because there's two such different pictures of the Messiah that are given in the Old Testament, and this is generalizing. One, he's like David, he's a warrior, he's a singer, he's a shepherd, he's the romancer, he's the deliverer. He's political, he's powerful, and the you know, lion and the lamb lie down together and, and everybody is sitting under their own vine and their fig tree and, and you've got your, your farm and you've got your fruit and you've got your fields and you've got, you've got everything that you could possibly want in ancient uh, Israeli idea of prosperity and abundance. And we need a ruler like David to go grab uh, you know, the, the, the Gentile rulers who are dominating over Israel, like the Romans, and thump them and bring Goliath down and smash him hard. It was a political movement. There was another picture of the Messiah, more mysterious, more dark, more intriguing, more confusing, called the servant, the suffering servant, that Isaiah speaks so much about that spoke of a sacrifice, that spoke of death, that spoke of laying down his life like a shepherd. And this the rabbis call Messiah the son of Joseph, who lays his life down and who suffers. But they didn't understand that 
So they basically, because they didn't understand it, it took a back seat to the reigning king monarch, the political aspect, and that's what they wanted to emphasize. What Jesus was now revealing to them is that, that he took, and he said that, that the, the concept of the suffering Messiah happens first before the glory can come and before uh, the reformation of the earth can come and before uh, prosperity can come and before finally world peace can come in a world that is fallen and sinful and selfish and, and evil and wicked and, and uh, full of famine and war and sin and sickness and death and disease. Something's got to remove the evil before the glory can come. And therefore, he summarizes literally hundreds of prophecies about the Messiah, about both Messiahs. And by the way, he puts both those pictures in one verse, that they are not two Messiahs, never were intended to be two Messiahs. There's one Messiah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. There are not two, but there are one. One Messiah, however, with two comings. And the one that humanity would certainly want first, oh man, give us the political you know, ruler, king that gives us prosperity and peace first. And then the dark you know, sayings of, of suffering, man, let that come later on, whatever that means. No, in God's economy and in a sinful and fallen broken world, the suffering servant of the Lord, the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep and who grabs the lion and kills him must come first and then even die laying down his life for the sheep, and then supernaturally be resurrected, and then come secondly and finally to bring the political monarch, kingdom, power, glory, smashing the worldly powers and establishing the kingdom of God. So that's exactly what we have now. The first coming of the Messiah, the Lamb of God. The second coming that we are very close to and anticipating He's coming like a lion. And we are near that time. The, the lion is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. It's on its way. All the signs are there. And there's not a thing the world can do about it. I'm telling you, God is in charge. God is on the throne. Listen to me. The economy right now, that's God's economy. The leaders who are in their places around the world, they're all put there by God. When the Antichrist comes, it's God's Antichrist. He's gonna use him and abuse him and then throw him into the lake of fire. Everything that is happening, God is in charge. God is on the throne and we are to watch in tremendous humility and we are the ones to prepare the way. And the message is the same that John the Baptist gave and the same that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and prepare your hearts for the king. Prepare for the return of the king. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Pastor Ray's messages continue to reach so many people every day, and we've received encouraging comments from listeners around the country. I've listened to Pastor Ray teach about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, along with many stories from the Bible. I always appreciated how he taught from the Word of God and made it relatable and engaging. I'm glad that his ministry continues. To Pastor Ray's family, lots of love and hugs, and God bless always. 
It's so encouraging to hear how Pastor Ray's teachings have touched so many lives. If you have a message to share, you can email us, ray at raybentley.com, or post a comment on our homepage, www.raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. So he says in verse 22, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected, notice these three groups, by the elders of the Jews, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and, so here's where he puts the two pictures of the Messiah together in one verse, and be raised the third day. So he lays it all out. This is a tremendous revelation. This just did not fit their idea of a Messiah. Have you ever found yourself in your life where what you thought God was doing in your life, it didn't turn out like you thought? You have an idea, God's gonna work this way, and this is going to happen, and you have a, you have a plan for your life. <laughs> and many young believers think that the idea of being a Christian is to think of the best plan that you have for your life and then prayerfully submit it to God and repeatedly ask Him to bless the plan that you have for your life and then everything is wonderful. But the experience of what actually happens is God doesn't bless our plans. How many have found that to be true? He doesn't take our suggestions, our ideas, our hints, or when we stomp like little children and pound our fists into the table, oh, you don't love me, why won't you give me what I want? No, God loves you, he loves you so much that your plans compared to his plans are so pitifully small by comparison, so limiting, so minuscule, so not even worthy of a God who is in an unapproachable light and who is uncreated. It's not worthy of even being compared. If I could pull these curtains back and say, okay, you've got an idea of what you'd like your life to be, throw it out the window as fast as you can. Look at this, and I could throw those curtains by, it would drop you to your knees. If you could see what God had planned, if you would merely trust him and submit to his will, you would fall on your knees and say, are you kidding me? That is for me? No way. Yes, that is God's glorious plan for your future. And without the facts and the details, see what we like is God, tell me what you're gonna do, then I'll maybe sign on to it eventually and then I'll be blessed. No, he says, trust me, every day, walk with me and let it unfold as you walk with me by faith. Just trust, follow my lead and I'll guide you by my spirit like a gentle wind and I'll whisper in your ear, trust me, I will take you to places you have never even dreamed of. I will use you in ways you had no idea. I will manifest gifts I planted within you that you didn't even know you had. I will introduce you to people that you never, trying to do your own will, would have even known that you would meet. I will surprise you every single day the rest of your life. I will blow your mind. I will fill you with joy unspeakable and full of glory and at moments it will be so overwhelming your eyes will burst uh, with tears, with happiness. How many are ready to sign up for that? Then we must follow what Jesus says next. And we close with these verses in 23 through verse 27. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him, 
affirm himself, love himself, hug himself, give himself what himself wants. Is that what it says? No, that's what the world says. If anyone desires to come after me, capital M-E, Jesus, let him or her deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. If you would love the will of God for your life, if you're willing to you know, put aside your plans and say yes to the Lord's plans, then you must also be willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross, die to yourself. So what that requires Confessing Jesus as Messiah, and may I add, confessing, therefore, Jesus as Lord, meaning he's the boss, always requires embracing a suffering Savior. And it also requires that in following him, there's a part of us that will suffer. To deny yourself and pick up your cross means that on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis, you are not in charge. You are not in control. God is. We don't think of it in these terms, but what it really boils down to is we want to be in control. We want to be in control of our circumstances. We want to have some sense of control for our health. We want to have a sense of control at our work and our environment and our future and our you know, savings and our plans. And, and we want to have a sense of control. And God says, no, it's not going to work that way. If you're in charge and you're in control, you're going to crash. I need to be in control because I'm God and I'm your father and I know way more than you and I have plans for you, and you're gonna have to walk with me, and I can't even explain everything I'm gonna do, you're gonna have to trust me. Hold my hand, walk with me. And in doing that, if you really, if you really say, I wanna really be a disciple, I I wanna just, it, it seems logical that the deeper I go into God, the more blessed I'll be. Well, you will also, in that desire, experience a part of you dying, and it hurts. That's what a cross is all about, denying of self. Is, is what children need to do to grow up. That's what it means to mature and to grow up spiritually. There's part of you that as you walk with Christ should be dying daily. And uh, may I just say that, it, that when you have that feeling of a part of you dying, that's a, that's a healthy thing. That's the old you. That's a part of you that, you know, let him die. He was a whiner and a complainer and he was miserable and he was unhappy and he was ticked off all the time and he was irritated and short with people and selfish and greedy and full of sin and selfishness. Let that old dude die. Who wants to save that? That's what I was delivered from. Let him die. Let him suffer even. I don't care. To the degree that the old nature, your old man dies, there's a new you that is like Jesus, a new you that walks in freedom, that doesn't walk in fear all the time and guilt all the time and you know, pressure and being pulled and tucked. No, I'm sold out to the Lord no matter what. There's a peace that is in the new you, walking in the spirit. 
To live for Jesus means to live a life of self-denial, gloriously, happily, deliriously delighted so. And this happens when we voluntarily, daily, get off the throne of our own hearts. This kind of denial of self is more than just, oh, I'm bearing my cross because I had a hard day or I've had some trials or people were mean to me. It's much deeper than that. It comes from bearing the contempt of the world because I have decided to follow Jesus Christ no matter what the opinion of my friends or those around me think. It is deciding to be focused narrowly upon Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. That he is the living word. It comes from living out the character of the sexual ethics of what it means to follow Christ and walk in holiness that my body is his temple and I will obey him in all places, in the marketplace, in the community, in the midst of my family, and in this world, I am sold out and committed to him. Galatians chapter six, verse 14 is in your notes. This is the attitude that one who would deny himself or herself would follow. Let's read this scripture out loud together. But far be it from me to glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world hath been crucified unto me and I unto the world. I'm dead to the world, fine. I'm crucified to the world, the world's crucified to me, fine. I think that you could say that American culture, part of it that is not so healthy, there's parts of it that are good and healthy. Part of that which is not so healthy is that we are too self-focused in our day. Self-focus is the modern American identity, but one that Christians should walk away from. Too many times people look at Christianity as something to add to their life, enhance their life, make me more successful, make me more blessed. No, it is core and central to your identity. It is everything to follow Jesus. And so Jesus reveals the true way to life. May, Lord, the old Ray die. And if he suffers, I really have no compassion for the old Ray. Let him suffer. He's a weasel, he's selfish, he's arrogant, and he's annoying. Let the old Ray die. I want to be the new creation, I want to be the new Ray conformed into the image of Jesus who walks with a single heart, with a pure mind, with a body yielded and filled with the glory of the Lord and a song in my heart and freedom and a clarity of conscience and a purpose in every step as my steps are ordered by the Lord. I want to experience more than just human life. I want divine life and glory living in me and through me. I want to experience heaven now. I don't want to wait even until then. I want to glory, therefore I will glory in the cross of Jesus Christ, and I will glory in the glory of the Lord, and the unique path he himself followed, where he denied himself, picked up his cross, and died on the cross, and then rose, resurrected. He is the example, he is the model, he is the one that I will follow all the way to heaven, amen? Pastor Ray Bentley, pointing out the value, the importance of following Jesus. Great insights today from our studies in the Gospel of Luke here on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Who Do You Say I Am? 
If you missed any part of the presentation, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. We hope you'll stop by our site today. When you're there, you can leave a few words in tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And under Media, you'll notice three words, Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights. Plus, click About and find out more about Pastor Ray and find out how you can come into a deeper relationship with the Lord. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions via email free of charge. Plus, you'll find other spiritual growth books and resources from Pastor Ray, including his new book called The Final Witness, an eye-opening prophetic fiction novel. So many are enjoying the full five-book series called The Elijah Chronicles. You can, too. And RayBentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also make a donation right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.